Welcome to Sports Talk with Tonsoni, the Indiana Baseball Edition. I'm your host, Brian Tonsoni, and along with Chris Feeney, Josh Bennett, Cassidy Palmer, and Carl James, we will be bringing you information on Indiana baseball. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, everyone, to Talking Hoosier Baseball. Last weekend, the Hoosiers opened up the season by going 3-1 and one in baseball at the beach event. This weekend in Port Charlotte, Florida, the Hoosiers went 3-0 and oh in the Snowbird Classic, moving their overall record to 6-1. and one. In this episode, we'll be giving you a recap of that Classic and taking a look at the upcoming weekend in San Diego, where we face off against the Toreros. I'm your host, Brian Tonsoni, and thanks for joining us uh, for Talking Hoosier Baseball. The 3-0 result started Friday against Rutgers in a 7-6 Indiana victory. The Hoosiers scored the winning run in the bottom of the eighth to hold off Rutgers. Luke Miller's RBI ground out was the winner. Cal Kruger picked up his third win in relief. Matt Lloyd, Elijah Dunham, and Ryan Feynman had multi-hit efforts for the Hoosiers. Saturday's contest was against Boston College, and Indiana won 4 to nothing. Paulie Milto was dominant on the mound, throwing a complete game shutout for the win. Milto struck out eight and walked none. Offensively, the Hoosiers had 12 hits overall, and four players had multi-hit days. Lloyd, Miller, Gorski, and Sowers. Gorski had three hits on the day, and Lloyd also hit his first home run of the season. Rounding out the weekend today, as we record this Sunday, uh, the Hoosiers defeated Chicago State 7-2. The Hoosiers closed out a sweep of the weekend uh, with the win. The Hoosier relievers went seven innings uh, without giving up a run and Cam Beecham got the win in relief. The relievers combined to give up only three hits. Luke Miller collected two hits and two RBIs, and Logan Kalitha hit a home run, and the Hoosiers are in the process of flying home. As we speak, 3-0 for the weekend and and 6-1 on the season. So let's start out with our Hoosier highlights of the week. This segment always highlights key moments from the panel. I'll start out. I think we took care of business on this trip. Uh, and that the offense can score in, in a variety of ways. And we, we can rely on the offense putting up some runs, even against quality pitching. And so that is my Hoosier highlight. Cassidy, we send it to you. What is your Hoosier highlight for the week? So I'm going with Luke Miller being productive with or without hits. He's only batting 250 on the season right now. But he did have five RBI this weekend and two runs. And especially against Rutgers, Officially, he went 0 for 4, but he had two RBI ground outs. He reached on an error. He had a walk, and he had a ground out to short to advance Kalitha to third, and he went on to score. So he leads the team with 12 RBI, and of his seven hits, four are home runs and one is a double. So he's hitting the ball well, and he's making contact consistently, which has been really big for these Hoosiers. And very good. And Carl, let's go to you for your uh, Hoosier highlight. Yeah, my highlight would be Cal Kruger's uh, third win, which happened in the third straight Hoosier game. And that is a crazy statistic (laughs) that he won, that he was the winning pitcher for three straight games. But, uh, but, but you look at at, at what he's done and you're seeing, you know, in 5.2 innings pitched, he's given up only two hits, no runs, no earned runs, no walks, and has struck out nine. So out of 17 outs, nine have been by the strikeout. Uh, he has just been phenomenal. 
and uh, three wins in three games. Uh, that was that was awesome. And then he uh, uh, closed the door on this last Chicago State game, even though it wasn't a it wasn't a safe situation. He still closed the door and got three outs. So Cal Kruger's my guy. Very good, and and it's nice to have that bullpen loaded with some arms that can come in and shut down and get some wins. Uh, Chris, your Hoosier highlight. No question about it, Pauly Milto. It has to be. I mean, the performance he threw, you don't see complete games anymore. You just don't. You don't see it in a major league level. You don't see it in college ball that much anymore. And just as good as he's been, he looked even better. Uh, I took a look back. I'm like, has this guy ever not pitched well? Since he became a starter. No, this is real. Since he became a starter against Northwestern, it was on, um, in late March, 13 games. The Hoosiers have lost two of them, and he only got the loss in one of them. And the other one was NC State, and we know when he left the game, we had the lead. A-Rod's cousin hit the bomb later, but Milto did fine. 13 starts, 11 Hoosier wins, and Milto only had one loss. And today might have been the best he's been. Incredible. I feel like we take him for granted. I mean, come on. Since he's become a starter, 13 starts, the team has lost twice. Incredible. uh, Hoosier highlight, Paulie Milto. Great Hoosier highlight. Uh, Milto has just been fun to watch. Um, He's just a bulldog on the mound. Josh, your Hoosier highlight from this weekend. I'm going to go with Matt Lloyd's offensive reset. He really struggled last weekend. I think he got a hit in his first at bat. And then it may have been 15 plate appearances in a row without reaching base. I think he might have had a walk in there somewhere. But then this weekend, he turned it up on base at least seven times, had five hits, three runs, and uh, hit that home run. So glad to see that completely turn around. And, and you know, it, that's what's intriguing about this squad is you, you could have one player have a one for 15 weekend and you still you, you still can produce some runs enough to win some games. And then it's going to be someone else uh, to pick them up there. There is not uh, an easy spot in that lineup and uh, at all. And and so that that's a good find. And now let's go to our almost getting famous Limo Awards and and. Be ready for some honorable mentions because you know when you when you're six and one and three and zero, oh, there's got to be more than just three dudes to to get awarded. And and we've kicked around a little bit on Twitter of the Cheeseboro hat. He oh had no, a I didn't hat. even know he had one. I had yeah, no so who knows? So if we have if we have honorable mention awards to give, we might call them the cheese hats, not cheese head, but cheese no, hats. No. Uh, cheese but let's stick with the limo hats and turn it over to Chris Feeney for this week's uh, awards. All right, well, first off, I'm not, you know, wearing the limo hat for this show because this weekend was just a weekend of taking care of business, right? It wasn't, like, limo hat worthy to wear during the podcast. We were going to win. We took care of it, you know, last weekend. <laughs> three and one on that, you wear the limo hat. So this week, regular hat. Uh, so first off, we're going to go defensive player limo hat is going to be Jeremy Houston. Plenty of double plays throughout. Uh, he made the, according to Roger radio, obviously we didn't see it, but he made a real nice play to end the fourth in uh, Milto's game. We really had to climb the ladder and go get a ball. Uh, it sounded like he really was a big part of turning a, uh, one, six, three double play, not an easy, easy, uh, double play to turn. He was solid through the weekend. Um, he's going to get our defensive player Lima and hopefully he's okay. You know, I know I took a ball off the finger. We didn't hear much after that. But uh, he gets the defensive player of the week, two limo hat. 
uh, for pitcher of the week. You know, I, I wasn't sure who to go with. Holy nah. <laughs> <laughs> Melto, obviously, not even close. Uh, you know, you guys can give out the cheese hat if you want for that for that somebody else because there are other people who pitched well, but Milto had that thing on by the seventh inning and he finished the game. So, Paulie Milto, obviously, and I just spoke about how good he's been. I take him for granted. I think a lot of us do. The guy's been amazing since he's become a starter. He's got is two Limo our, hats now. Yeah, okay. I was going to ask, is that our first back-to-back Limo hat recipient? I, I got news for you. He might get a dozen. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. <laughs> they, they might. He might be the only one who gets him. I don't know. Somebody else has got to get one at some point. But uh, Paulie's going to go for the pitcher of the week Limo hat. Well-deserved, obviously. And then that leaves us the offensive uh, of the offensive player of the week Limo hat, which will lead to the Alex Dickerson Award that we talked about last week a uh, couple of different choices but for me uh, and that's really all that matters because i give him out i'm gonna go with matt lloyd uh matt lloyd is my pick for not only what josh said and josh nailed it the numbers were big but the, and, and and also the mental aspect of it and josh also touched on that the guy was over 15 let's not you know sugarcoat it he went over 15 that series coming off that leadoff at bat with a hit He's got to sit on that for three days. You know what I'm saying? And, and he's the type of guy. I mean, you can tell when we're at the games. He's the energy guy. He gets, gets fired up in the dugout. He's making people move around when things aren't going well. You know, he's, he seems to be pretty superstitious. He wants to, you know, mix it up if things aren't going well. And guys look to him for energy. I know they do. And what does he do after over 15, first A.B., home run? And he continues through the weekend. Uh, Josh mentioned it, six hits on base eight times, scored a run in each game. Uh, Matt Lloyd stepped it up. It, it can't be easy. You know what I mean? To sit on that for three days, you're a big part of this team. You went 0 for 15 after your first at-bat. Boom, home run. And the rest of the weekend, uh, he kept it up too. So Matt Lloyd wins his first <laughs> offensive player of the week, Limo Hat. So that's Houston, Lloyd, Milto, week two. And these are our weekly awards for those of you who might be tuning in for the very first time. Uh, and we're going to keep track at the end of the year and give out season long awards as well. And, you know, there's always other uh, people who uh, could be in the running for a limo hat and, and honorable mention. <laughs> I'm going to just throw out Scotty Bradley getting plunked twice and then going, yard, you know, yeah, Hey, that's, yeah, that's the yeah. best response. I think that needs at least a shout out on the show, Josh. Do you, anyone that uh, besides those three that Feeney gave out that you want to give a little shout out um, I don't think anyone separated themselves like they did. Uh, Gorski's three-hit game was pretty big. That's so. good to find. Cassie, any uh, honorable mentions here? Awards. I'm going to go with Brian Hobby. On the weekend, he threw three and two-thirds innings, didn't give up any earned runs, even though he came in with, I think, bases loaded against Rutgers. And he did give up a hit, but that's a tough position to be in so uh i'm gonna go with hobby you, you know cassie I, i'm glad you said that because i, I th- was looking at the box scores and I, I listened on and off uh this weekend because of my coaching duties and that's a really solid bullpen ad if he can be consistent like he has shown in the first two weeks um you know with, with lloyd and kruger um boy you know and, and i think we need to solidify some starting pitching uh, possibly if we want to look at something to improve on. But Hobby has been impressive in the first two weeks. Uh, Carl, um, 
thoughts on an honorable mention limo hat yeah i'm gonna be a broken record and go with kruger so uh, <laughs> third win i got an honorable games. mention too yeah. i got an honorable mention brian when you have a minute all right i'll get it to you here carl talk about kruger well as i said he just uh Three straight, uh, three straight wins, and obviously the third came at the first game of the series. Um, and I actually was a little surprised that they went back to him, given they had uh, so many guys rested. So I think that just shows that uh, the coaching staff has got a lot of faith in him right now. And they, you know, we we need to get this game. It's a business trip. We need this game over with and get to the, and as Roger said, get to the reservation and uh, get on that plane and get home. Yeah. And the man himself, Feeney, has an honorable mention for himself. Well, I mean, call read my mind, Roger. Roger's my honorable mention. Uh, you know, clutch job, all three games. It was a great listen. Uh, that was wild segue, Carl. It was like you read my mind. Roger <laughs> is the cheese hat uh, honorable mention. It's a great listen, man. It really is. You know, we have video of the next four games. I don't know. If Roger's on that mic, I might be listening. <laughs> I, I had a friend text me and ask me who that was. And they, they're not used to Roger. I said, hey, just appreciate it for what the it best. is. The you know. Best. Um, so, and then, then my son gets a hold of me, and he's quoting Roger left and right, you know. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know if we want him to hear that or something. He might <laughs> add on. So, you know, these results are great. Six and one starting off is fantastic start. And as we're all aware that we want to get back to the regionals, and in order to do that, we need to have a high RPI. And, Carl, you're an RPI guy. Talk about the impact of this weekend on, on our games and the, the games of our opponents. All right. Well, as far as Indiana games go, this is a business trip. As we keep saying, this was what they needed to do. 3-0 and was expected. 3-0 and was what happened. So this really doesn't change anything uh, as far as my uh, either my initial predictions for getting to 40 wins um, or the uh, the overall uh, win-loss picture. So that that's pretty much set. Um, I take a look, though, at Indiana's full 2018 schedule. Last week was a solid, phenomenal performance, actually over 600. Uh, this weekend, even better. Uh, cool. So right now, we're looking at 625 clip. 245 wins, 147 losses. And when I say that, that's basically taking the, the total wins of each team, including the number of times we play them. So let's say we, we play Nebraska three times. They were five and three. So that counts as 15 wins and nine losses. So that's how those numbers uh, come about. So the, the, a couple of real big highlights in that would be um, Butler still undefeated. They've won eight now. Um, they're a big, big highlight at the other end of the spectrum. Um, Maryland, who is uh, by many mean, means supposed to be competing with uh, Indiana for the Big Ten title. Uh, Maryland has been struggling. Uh, They just lost a weekend series to Army, which was not exactly expected. So they're only at three and four right now. Obviously, we're still still early in the year. Oh, and that was a home series, too. They were playing that in Maryland. So that's uh, a couple of things. USA, baby. Yep, that was a couple of interesting interesting results, and it'll be curious to see what Maryland is going to be like going forward and to see maybe this is just a hiccup and that they'll get over it. Nah, that was uh, (laughs) – That is good. You're right. USA beat Maryland. That's it. (laughs) I love it. Yep. I just just, just got that. I'd take the RPI hit if Maryland would get beat. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh, after, after what they pulled in our, <laughs> yeah. in our stadium last year. So yeah. 
So thank you, Craig Didalo. <laughs> no yes. kidding. Yeah. So part of the calculations that I do, and I try to kind of predict a uh, where a fi- where the final RPI is going to be. Um, by by taking those numbers and plugging them in along the lines with the win percentages, um, and then kind of looking at at, at at the other piece of strength and schedule through some funky math. Um, right now, I've got Indiana finishing fourth in RPI. Now, I don't know that this opponent win loss is going to hold up over time. I think this number tends to get more accurate as time goes by. So, by no means am I saying, "Oh, I think they're going to finish fourth in RPI." They could, but uh, that's uh, that's where those numbers crank out. Now, I would say towards the end of March, that number is going to be a bit more predictive. So, I'm curious to see where that you know where that goes. Um, in the end, I calculate a final RPI number and I simply compare it to the prior year as to where that would fall. That's where I got the the rank at. Um, it's also possible teams will perform a little bit different in RPI overall. So, right now, it's all good based on what i've seen but again yeah. we've only seen two weeks so and, there's a lot more that's going to have to happen and we're really appreciative of carl because the predictive rpi is a lot better to look at than the current one i looked at the current one and we were at 24 which is still nice at this point of the year and and the strength of schedule matters and then the who who our opponents play and that that gathering that information really tells you where the season is headed uh and march as march comes those numbers will be more true than what they are right now. But Carl, you're right in saying that we as a team six and one couldn't have gotten off to a better start. And our opponents uh, portion of our RPI couldn't have gotten off to a better start as well. Am I reading that right? That is correct. Yes. And uh, so we, we, you know, the only time you don't want your opponents to do well is on the weekend when they're playing Indiana. And, (laughs) and then maybe if it's a standings issue, you want to root against someone so you can compete inside the standings. So Excellent, uh, excellent information. It, it really helps to understand where we're headed, and we look forward to that every week. And so now we're going to send it over to our stat guru, Cassie. And, and you know, we have a little bit of a chat in, inside of Twitter, and we all were concerned about Cassie today because the live stats weren't, you know, updating. <laughs> and, and, and you IU fans, when you get to meet Cassie and know her, you know, just – just start yelling out stats and she'll start being happy. And so I was concerned today that Sunday wasn't going to be a good day because, you know, baseball is one thing and winning's another, but no stats, that, that's not a good day. But luckily for us, uh, it kicked in. And so now Cassie's going to share some excellent uh, analysis of the stats. Cassie, it's all yours. Okay. So this week I was really how the pitching staff was going to do with walks because that had been a little bit of an issue first week and the team had seven on the weekend but six of those were a combo of Stever and Beecham so there was only one other walk by by other guys on the staff and Paulie as we've said went a complete game without issuing a walk and I mean he went a complete game with only two at bats in which he threw three balls that is nuts. Crazy. And at the same time, the, yes. And at the same time, the staff struck out 26 to go with those seven walks. So this was much better on the walk front. And then for the offensive team dropped their per game average from nine last weekend to about six Ks per game this weekend. But you have to watch out for level of competition from week to week because last week was very stiff competition. This week, not so much. 
Next week we'll be back to being a big test uh, against San Diego. So we'll see how these uh, trends start to average out. And for next week, I'm really interested to see how the power hitting goes because the Hoosiers have 26 extra base hits on the season. Ten of them are home runs. San Diego has only given up 12 extra base hits on the season, four of them home runs. So they're really not giving up extra base hits. But at the same time, they're not hitting them either. They only have 11 extra base hits offensively, three of them home runs. And their ballpark doesn't look particularly big. I looked it up. The dimensions are actually smaller than the BART. So I'm not sure what's going on there. And I can't believe... I can't believe I actually took the time to look this up, but in the San Diego area where the ballpark is, the prevailing winds are out of the west-northwest. They'll probably be about 10 to 12 miles an hour next weekend, which could make it more difficult to hit out of left field. But other than that, I'm not sure why, why both San Diego and their opponents are struggling to hit it out of the ballpark because it, it just doesn't make sense otherwise. Well, but, no, that, well, that is some real information right there. <laughs> Stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> hey, Cassie, I got a question for you. And maybe yeah. uh, you'll have to do this for the next – but what, what pace are we on for home runs? Um, you know, it seems to me like we're starting off early by hitting the ball out of the park a lot. Uh, initial thoughts, I know you always believe in the numbers and like to look up the numbers, but do you have any – kind of quick idea is this a faster pace slower pace uh, than than other years i can put that together for next week it seems pretty fast uh because i know it felt last year like we were off to a pretty slow start because we usually are being a northern team that's the way it kind of works so i can put something together for next week and see see if that's actually true Anybody else have a, a stat assignment? You know, I'm a teacher, so I like giving out assignments. Well, I, I could ask for one maybe for this week. I don't know if you have it, Cassie. I hate putting you on the spot. Do you have left on base? Because it felt like we left a small village on base this weekend. Yes, I do have some of that. Uh, I mean, we can't do that weekend, against San Diego. No. This weekend, we averaged nine left on base. Per game? And Yes. Okay. Last weekend, we averaged just shy of six left yeah, on base. It felt like a lot. It felt like, and I was thinking we can't do this next week because you can't leave all these guys on, especially if they're not going to give up extra base hits. No, and the big one was the Rutgers game. We left 12 on. Wow. Yeah, but we scored was, seven too. So, yes. You know, sometimes you're getting, you, you got to get guys on to have men left on mm-hmm. base. True, well, true. So, Just felt like a lot. I knew, I knew yeah. it felt like a lot. I, it's key. I know Cassie said this in one of the previous episodes, too, about the percentage of runs scored when we have runners on third with less than uh, two outs. That, that to me, is huge, too. you got to be mm-hmm. productive, whether it's an out or a hit, in, in those situations. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we, we just saw our, our new guest come in here, and um, we're going to um, – Go to the story of the week, and we have a, a new member of the panel. Drew Bennett is uh, joining us today. And Drew, how are you? Give us a wave. Good. Good. Very good. Uh, Drew is just an outstanding IU baseball fan, and you'll see him at the BART um, in every section, out in outfield, and and doing some things. But uh, Drew, explain to our listeners a little bit about how you watch these games when they're out down in Florida, and we can't see them on TV. How do you know what's going on? 
On GameCast on the computer, it shows the outs, the balls, the strikes, and the runs and guys on base. Yeah, and, and so is that, um, you know, how easy is it to – are you patient watching it? Are you okay watching it? Or do you just uh, wish that you could see it with your eyes? Well, I don't really care. <laughs> as long as Indiana's winning, I love that answer. Um, <laughs> tell me um, here a little bit about um, how you do some uh, telling the, the recaps and the box scores. What do you do with that? Um, type in the numbers. Okay, and what's your yeah? What's your favorite statistic? What's your favorite thing to watch, statistic wise, box score wise? Is it home runs? Is it strikeouts for the pitchers? What do you like the most? Home runs. Yeah. yeah. Who Who is the, your favorite home run hitter this year so far for Indiana? I'd have to go with Logan Kalitha hit the grand slam for the win. That, that, and he won a limo hat. <laughs> and he won a limo hat. And, and Drew, I think that's um, that's famous. That's a great selection uh, for your favorite home run hitter. And um, we really appreciate you uh, coming on and explaining to us a little bit about how you watch the games. And next week, I think uh, there's a possibility that they'll that they'll, they'll be on television through the computer. So are, are you going to try to watch those games as well? Yeah. Okay, very good. Well, we thank you, and we look forward to you having some reports from the BART. We, we're talking to you and your dad about giving us some concession stand reports and how good the food is at the concession stand and maybe talking a little bit more about your favorite players. And, uh, again, then I challenge you to uh, get out to right field and catch a home run ball sometime, and, and then we'll have you all back on. So thank you for uh, joining us, Drew, and we look forward to your input. So that's uh, – uh, Drew, our, our new analyst, and, and we're glad that he has been a, a part of it. So we are now heading to uh, our preview of this next weekend, a four-game series against San Diego, and I think we're going to start with Carl. Is that correct? Um, we'll start with Carl and pass it around on uh, San Diego. All right. San Diego, University of San Diego, predicted to finish first in a very competitive uh, WCC. Uh, this conference – uh, they were fifth in the conference, barely fifth, and were like really close to having won it. But unfortunately, since only four teams go to their conference tournament, they were left out, and that really hurt them. Uh, but so far this year, uh, they were predicted to be the number one team in this conference. They were predicted to be one of the best teams to watch from any mid-major conference. Currently seven and two. Uh, they had a tournament this weekend that uh, drew a ton of attention. I think D1 had two guys at, uh, observing this particular tournament. Um, they had wins over number four, Arkansas. So beat one of the best SEC teams there in San Diego. Um, they also beat Michigan, um, who, while not expected to be quite as good as they were, they're going to be a competitive Big Ten team this year. Um, so they are also on a six-game winning streak. So the Toreros are going to be uh, – both them and the Hoosiers are going to be on a six-game winning streak. Uh, one of those streaks is going to keep going on one's going to break uh, first game. They were 35-18 and 18 last year, 21-8 and eight at home, so they play very well there. And uh, RPI of 53 last year. Um, RPI ranks for Western teams tend to be uh, a little bit handicapped. It's a, sort of a weird mathematic thing because they mostly play just – a small set of teams in the West. 
So they almost all have a strength of schedule right around 500. And because of that, even the, the, uh, the committee tends to handicap them a little bit. And uh, they allowed a Western team with like a 50 RPI last year to get into the, to the tournament. So, so I wouldn't take that as, oh, they're not a top 50 team. They're, a 53 RPI makes them look like a top 50 team. And they're expected to be even better this year. Um, while they did lose some of their big bats, and that might play a little into what Cassidy was talking about, um, their pitching has been strong. And I'm going to hand it over to Chris to talk a little bit more about that. As far as the pitching, um, Nick Sprengle, from what I understand, is a uh, you know first round MLB prospect, late first round, but still, you know he was going to win into the season as their ace. He's actually moved to their number two spot, and uh, Paul Ricken has gone over to the number one spot. So they have two real big arms uh, for Friday and Saturday, well probably Saturday game one is doubleheader Saturday. So uh, we're going to be seeing some real good pitching. They're pitching in defense. They've got a good bullpen. Like I was saying with the left on base, uh, we can't leave 29 people on base. We can't, you know, the big swings aren't going to happen. Cassie's pointing out for whatever reason, the ball doesn't travel there or, you know, line drives, contact, you know, no heroes. It's going to be that kind of series. This thing's going to be fun, guys. This is going to be high stakes RPI, four day, uh, three days, four games in a really cool stadium. Uh, Chris Bryant, alumni, San Diego. Um just uh, some people might know who he is. I heard he was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> and, and just uh, two more other big wins for them. Grand Canyon is a sleeper team to possibly make the tournament. They beat them. And Arizona, a perennial good team, they beat them too. So San Diego is a big-time team, um, you know, well-coached, the whole thing. We can't leave 20 guys on base. Um, we got to play a little better. Again, this is a business trip. Just win, get the heck out of there, whatever. But this four-game series is going to feel – it's going to be great to watch. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. But this is a big-time team. And to be honest, let's get two and two and get the heck to Bloomington. That's – I was just going to ask everyone, uh, what, what is the optimal – obviously, you want to win all four. But if we can win two, does everyone agree that that's pretty much a, a good weekend? And then an eight and three start to the season is pretty solid. Any thoughts on that, anyone on the panel? All of it on the road, absolutely take eight and two. Yep. Or eight and three, sorry. That's... All right. So, well, weekend two is in the books uh, with the Hoosiers starting out six and one. And uh, we just got done talking about San Diego. We got a big series coming up Friday and doubleheader on Saturday. So we'll send it around to uh, some final thoughts uh, from the group heading into next week. So, uh, Josh, your final thoughts on week two. Uh, it was a good week. Um We'll definitely take six and one. Um, kind of <laughs> hoping we can figure out the starting pitching because aside from Polly, it's been shaky at best. Um, and then also hope we can stay healthy. Uh, we don't know. Cole Barr had to leave the game, uh, right. the BC game Saturday after the collision at third base. We don't know about him, and we really can't afford to lose Jeremy at shortstop. So mm-hmm. that'll be yeah. something to look at going forward. The starting pitching issue, Josh, I think is really good point. And we know those guys can produce and we know it's early and sometimes early in the season hitting pitching's a little bit off, especially when you come from the north and been in the melon camp. So, you know, I'm willing to hold out a a little bit longer, but I am that it is concerning when um, we we have one dude that's been then lights out and the others have have not been yet. So I I wouldn't um, give up on Johnny yet. Yeah, it's too early for that. 
So, but they, it does need to, to be better. Cassie, your final thoughts on week two. Yeah, there were just so many different ways that this weekend could have ended badly for IU. And provided that, that especially Jeremy's fingers are all right, we seem to have avoided all of those ways that it could have gone badly. Uh, and so we've seen that this team can be really good. But this weekend does up the ante a little bit with with the very good San Diego squad. So I think this week will really give us a better idea of where we stand compared to how this week did. Very good. Carl, your uh, last thoughts on week two. Yes. uh, One of my favorite hashtags, hashtag limo ball. Uh, which is, you know, referring to uh, <laughs> stolen bases, all the kind of guile things that happen out that, uh, you know, when, when Chris Limonis came to Indiana, this was a team that didn't do hardly any of those things. And he made it a point that that was part of what he wanted to bring. And it's been slow coming, but over these last two weeks, we've seen so much more of it. And it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. And I'm curious to see how that plays uh, next week in San Diego. Hashtag limo ball. Andy brought the the limo hat down and then took a selfie and then (laughs) sent it out. I mean, this guy, this guy's had had an all-star start to the year, too. I mean, Coach, you you are on top of it. You know, keeping Chris Feeney happy uh, is is part of – part of IU baseball here. So Chris, oh, your, your final thoughts on week two. Uh, my final thoughts would be uh, give a shout out to the fans. You know, there's been a ton of interaction in the Facebook group. There's been a ton of interaction on Twitter and stuff. I sent out the first tailgate, you know, for that Saturday, a lot of people interested, a lot of people talking uh, a special shout out to my guy, Gary moon from the Facebook group sent over some excellent photos. We had that win picture with the score board in the background. We had a nice shot of Brian Hobby, a nice shot of Paulie Milto. Um, you know, it, it was, it was a real interactive weekend. People are pumped up, man. You know, I'm getting a lot of, a lot of messages on the side that obviously you're not seeing up on Twitter and stuff. Uh, got a few about those promotional items too, but we'll leave that alone. <laughs> Uh, I, thought was, I, thought, I thought you could tell that was a joke. I really thought people would know. But either way, uh, shout out to the fans for this weekend. <laughs> they really need a BJ mustache. They do. That's it for oh, me. I can't, I'll take the cute bobblehead. That's hard to make. It's not hard to make a BJ mustache. I'll make them. Let's make like a thousand of them and land them out. <laughs> we'll pass them out at the tailgate. I'll, I'll, I'll do it right now. You know. Hey, and then, you know, my, my final thought is it's good to be 6-1. and one. It's good to have a group of, of fans like you guys and hope everyone of our listeners are uh, enjoying what we do to bring a little bit of information. And I saw pictures of the new scoreboard being uh, put up at, at the BART. That's going to be exciting um, come here in about 10 days or so when we have the home opener. I did check the weather for the, the first weekend. When I come down, it looks like a little cold with possible flurries, so I hope that changes. Uh, and there's no cancellations or anything like that. But but we're real close to being back at the BART. So uh, this will do it for this week's Talking Hoosier Baseball. Please find all future podcasts on Sports Talk with Tonsoni, which can be found on your favorite uh, podcast source, as well as under the tab on iubase.com. Please follow iubase on Twitter, at iubase17. Uh, Talking Hoosier Baseball is on Twitter as well, at Hoosier Talking. And visit iubase.com to see other articles and posts and a great site for Indiana baseball information. So for the gang, I'm Brian Tonsoni. Go Hoosiers. See you at the Barton.